All right. Hey, well, good morning. Welcome to worship at Johnson Ferry. Again, my name's Stephen. Real excited to be with you today as we continue on with our Essentials series, Essential Summers series. Uh, last week, Clay came and he talked to us about Galatia, through Galatians, and we're going to be looking at Proverbs this morning. Uh, but before we do that, I want to let you know, at the end of the service, we are going to, as a church, take part in the Lord's Supper. So look forward to doing that as the collective body of Christ. Uh, but I do want you to think for just a second, Clay threw out a few essentials for summer last week, but one that maybe for some of you is essential is going to sporting events. So a lot of you are probably baseball fans, a summer sport, even some basketball happens during the summer. My nine-year-old son and I last weekend got to do something for the first time during the summer. Uh, we went to our first ever Atlanta United soccer match. There you go, fans of soccer. So we uh, drove downtown. Now, I don't drive downtown very often. I kind of have to prepare myself. Uh, so I plugged in the parking deck, like the one parking deck that I'm comfortable with. So I plugged it in into my GPS. I'm good to go. Brady and I were heading downtown, but I start getting nervous. We're pretty far away from Mercedes Benz and already the parking is like 20 bucks. I'm like, man, we're pretty far. Then we get a little closer and now parking is 40 bucks. Then parking is 60 bucks. Now, I don't know about you, but like I have no shame adding some water to my ketchup to help the bottle last longer. So like, <laughs> you know, I know it's all perspective, but I'm thinking, I don't know if I can pay $60 for parking. Then we get right next to the AJC lot, which was $120 for parking. Now, I don't know what happens in the $120 AJC lot. Uh, maybe the cars like watch cartoons, I don't know, but I'm thinking, I'm not even to my lot yet, and I just saw $120. So maybe I need to veer off path. Maybe I've got to tell GPS, I got to go find another parking. Maybe we can turn around. You know what? Who cares if we walk a few miles? Brady, he's nine. I mean, he's got a lot of energy, short legs, but that's okay. Uh, I said, no, I'm going to stick with the path, and I'm just going to see and so finally I get to my lot, which is right next to Mercedes-Benz. It's kind of in between State Farm Arena and Mercedes-Benz, but it's where I always park. We turn the corner and it says event parking, $40. I told my wife later, I said, I've never been so happy to pay $40 for parking <laughs> in my entire life. I'm so glad that I stuck with the path that I didn't veer and I made it to where we need to go. And then we had a great time at the soccer match this morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that's all about following God's perfect path. We live in a world that's constantly telling us to veer off path, a world that constantly is giving us barriers saying we shouldn't go this way, but yet we're going to see in this passage, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, that we are called to some essentials as we seek to now Trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Essentials to staying on God's path. So if you've got a copy of God's word, we're gonna be looking again. Proverbs 3, verses five and six. Proverbs 3, five 
and six. This is really in the middle of your Bible. So if, if you're around Psalms, you're close. So Proverbs in the Old Testament, Proverbs three, five and six, as we think about staying and following God's perfect path. We're gonna read Proverbs three, five and six. So as is the custom here at Johnson Ferry, let's stand as we honor God through the reading of his word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for just these timeless words and I pray that you would use them to just really open our eyes to what it looks like to fully trust in you. Lord, may we listen to your spirit, may we listen to your word, and may you, God, change us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All right, you can have a seat. So these words are words that many of us are familiar with. For me personally, these are words, and, and I would probably call this my theme verse, my life verse. It's led me through many different seasons of life already. After high school, when I graduated, my parents gave me this verse in a nice frame, and it's been hanging in my office for many years. It's been neat over the last couple of weeks to hear from even some of you about what this verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, means uh, just for you personally. Now, maybe if you're new to Bible study, you're new to church, these might be new, and that's great, and look forward to unpacking these words with you. Now, I did talk to one church member who shared a picture. They're doing some home renovations, and they showed me a picture of their bathroom. We got that up on the screen. And they have a shower curtain. Who knew that they make Bible verse shower curtains? So uh, now they can read this verse while they brush their teeth. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So these words really are timeless. The author of Proverbs, for the most part, is Solomon. We, there are a few other authors that contribute, but he's the writer of Proverbs 3. And so as he's writing this word, kind, kind of his objective is to impart spiritual wisdom to his descendants, to his children, to his grandchildren, his grandchildren's children. Really, he has the same heart that many of us have, right? For investing in our children and in our grandchildren. We talk a lot at Johnson Ferry about how the parent and the grandparent is really called to be the primary disciple maker in the home. We partner with the church, but we at home are to be the primary disciple makers. And so we see here Solomon wanting to impart this wisdom. And this wisdom would have been used by the Israel nation, but now it's something that even us, the New Testament church, that we can glean wisdom from today. And so my goal is that we're not gonna make these verses, we're not gonna make them more complex than they need to be. But really my prayer is, if you're like me, you might have read these verses so many times that we kind of become numb and often it's easy to forget to pause and to really ask that God would use them to really seek our own hearts or we trusting him with all of our hearts. So we're gonna really dive into just three basic essentials when we think about following God's path. And we're gonna break it down just bit by bit. And that first essential, if you're following along, if you got a listening guide, a listening sheet, the first is simply, is complete trust. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Complete trust. This phrase for trust that's used here in Proverbs 3 the Aramaic word is really a submission. It's to prostrate oneself down 
to submit oneself down before the Lord, to relinquish control. Think about someone who's just lost a battle and they lay down and they say, I relinquish control. That's the picture that we see here in Proverbs 3, that we are called to complete trust. I do think that there are a few different reasons why we struggle with trust. There's different barriers in place that prevent each of us at times from having this complete trust. But I think the number one, the greatest barrier to trusting with all of your heart, trusting God with all of your heart, I think the number one barrier is trusting him with most of your heart. I'm gonna say that one more time. I think the greatest barrier for you and I trusting Jesus with all of our heart is trusting him with most of your heart. I think we all know, maybe some of you can remember that point before you came to know Jesus, to enter into a relationship with him as your Lord, as your savior, right? You know where you're coming up short. You know where you're not trusting. But so many, so many times we can convince ourselves that trusting in him mostly is sufficient. But we have varying degrees really in our lives of the things that we trust. We really trust in some things, we kind of trust in others. And then there are other things that we just don't trust in at all. I want you to take a quick quiz. We're gonna have a few pictures that pop up on the screen. I want you to grade yourself one through 10. One is I really don't trust at all. 10 is I really do trust. How about this? How much do you trust that your car is gonna get you home from church today? I think we got a picture. This is not my car, but it's not far off from my car. I'm at about a 50-50, but you, you don't have to tell anybody your score, right? It's probably dependent on your car, but how much do you trust that your car is gonna get you home after church today? Number two, throw up another picture. How much do you trust that the Atlanta Braves are gonna win the World Series this year? Wow, I did not hear a lot of confidence. It's, it just means that you've been an Atlanta fan for a long time. <laughs> Expectations stay low. Right, but what's your, what's your trust level that your favorite sports team is gonna win? How about the weather app? What's your trust in the weather app? Just last week, if you remember, we had all those isolated thunderstorms. I took my dogs on a walk. I checked the weather app. All was good. By the end of the 25, 30-minute walk, we were running to beat the impending doom that was coming. So how much do you trust the weather app, the weather person? How about, uh, just one more, what about the chair that you're sitting in? Do you trust that it's gonna hold you for the whole service? Now, most of you probably have never thought about these chairs, but now you're thinking about these chairs <laughs> and you're wondering, right? So we all have levels of trust that we place in our lives, but if I were to ask you, and again, this is just between you and yourself, where would you mark on that scale one to 10 of where your trust is with the Lord for followers of Jesus? Could you truly say, I trust in the Lord with all of my heart? Or maybe for many of us, there are specific areas where we, if we were honest, would say, I don't trust God with 100%. Do you trust God with your finances? Do you trust God with your relationships, with your singleness? Do you trust God with your education or with a certain family member, your workplace, whatever it might be? Do you trust God 100% with your health? Some of you are walking through really challenging health right now? Do you trust God 
with all of your heart, with complete trust. Now we do see in scripture in the Old Testament and also in the New, we see loads of examples of men and women who trusted in the Lord with most of their heart. So we're in good company, those times that we come up short. I think about in the Old Testament, I think about Moses. Here's the guy that led God's people out of slavery, out of Egypt, towards the promised land. And then he has this really bad day where he doesn't fully trust what God says about how he's going to provide water for the people. And all because Moses has this bad day and doesn't trust, he no longer gets to go into the promised land. Or if you look towards the new covenant, you look towards the New Testament, and you see Peter, we like to pick on Peter a lot. Peter, Peter really is, is great, right? We pick on Peter some. He gets out of the boat. He's the only one that gets out of the boat. He begins walking on water towards Jesus, if you're familiar with that story. But then what happens? He sees the waves crashing around him and he begins to lose trust, lose faith, and he begins to doubt and sink. So we're in good company, so don't feel too bad if there are areas in your life where you're not trusting God with all of your heart. This is a call for all of us. But I want us to read this quote. This is a quote from a, a pastor, A.W. Tozer. Clay's read him before. He uh, passed away in the 60s, but he just brings such great wisdom. Listen to this quote about fully trusting, complete trust. Pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve in case God fails it. Real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. For true faith, it is either God or total collapse. Man, it is God or total collapse. This is what we do, right? We often come up with plan Bs. We come up with contingency plans. I'm gonna trust God mostly but if he doesn't come through or he doesn't come through by my time frame, right? I'm gonna come up with some other plan, a backup plan, maybe a safety net. We all do this. Put yourself in position just for a second. I want you just to imagine that you're on a blind date. Now, I know some of you, maybe you've been married for a long time and, and you probably can't remember the horrors that come alongside a blind date. But put yourself, we've got so many great single adults here, so we're, we're gonna give them an example, right? Well, I want you to relate to the horrors of a blind date. You're on this blind date and you're thinking, am I gonna have anything in common with this person? Are they gonna be funny? Am I gonna be attracted to them? Are they going to have good hygiene? Are they gonna show up on time, right? All of these things, are they gonna be an Alabama Crimson fan? I mean, there's just a lot of things that can go through your mind as you get ready for this blind date. So what do you do? You got a backup plan. You got that friend that's gonna text you 25 minutes in. Do I need to bail you out? I'm seeing some head nods, so I'm... <laughs> right? You come up with a backup plan just in case it doesn't go the way that you want. Don't we do this in all areas where we say, I'm gonna trust God, but I'm also gonna have that backup plan just in case. John Fair, we're called to complete trust, as A.W. Tozer said, right? It's all in or it's all nothing. And that's complete trust. And that leads us then to our second point, we're to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, but then we read we are to not lean on our own understanding. So number two, if you're filling in on your listening guide, number two is we need a shift in reliance. One of the things that no one told me when we were going to that Atlanta United game, me and my son, was, hey, you're gonna have to stand for the entire match, all right, 
I don't know, man, we were, we were just so exhausted. And you know, if you stand for a long time, you usually you lean on one leg, but then there comes this point where you've got to shift and you gotta lean on the other leg. And for some of us, we've been leaning on our own understanding in some parts of our lives for too long, and we need to make a shift, a shift in reliance and lean on the Lord and what he says. Now, we've all come into trouble. We've all found trouble. We've all, uh, with either misunderstandings or incorrect understandings, we've leaned on ourselves too much, and it's gotten all of us in trouble. I remember when I was... uh, first dating my wife, Carrie. So we were uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, but we were hanging out and we were both living in Birmingham, Alabama. And I was doing night school and working a part-time job. So uh, I did not have that much cash, but you know, we were still wanting to hang out. And, and uh, I remember Carrie, she was being very considerate. And so she wanted to know if for our next date night, we were getting ready for a date night, if we would go Dutch. If you don't know what Dutch means, that just means the guy pays for his way, the girl pays for her way. She was, she was being very considerate of me and my financial needs. So she comes up to me and she says, hey, Stephen, for our date tonight, how about we go commando? I then said to her, I don't think you understand what that means. So we've all had times where we've leaned on our own understanding and it's gotten us into trouble. How are you leaning on your own understanding? I think in a general sense, probably the biggest reason that we lean on our own understanding is for most of you, I know I work at a church Monday through Friday, I know for most of you, you're in the world. Monday through Friday, you're in secular businesses, you're in neighborhoods with people that are far from God, you've got friendships with people who are far from God, coworkers, and so we're in this world and we're to be, right, in the world, not of the world, and so, you've got this constant tension where you're surrounded by the world. And I think if we're being honest, as we're in the world, it's just really hard to not get some of that worldliness in our thinking and in our understanding. And so we begin to lean on our own understanding. We begin to lean on the understanding of the world. But I do wanna give us, you'll see five blanks on your listening guide. These are just five different ways that I thought of of just ways that we maybe in 2023 in the metro Atlanta area often lean on our own understandings. Now, this is not a comprehensive list. I'm sure you can think of some other ways. You, you might not uh, relate to all of these, but let's just go through these five, five ways that we often lean on our own understandings. Number one, and we talked about this a little bit, but it's comparison. Don't we all struggle with comparison? Comparison's really dangerous because it goes back to trusting mostly in the Lord because we can always find someone who's worse off than us. We can always find someone whose trust level, their relationship with God is not quite where ours is. And we can compare. You know what? I might not trust God 100% with my finances, but man, I know Bob down the street and he doesn't trust God with his finances at all. So I feel good about myself. But the problem with comparison is we are told to compare, 
First Peter, I can't remember, first or second Peter, Peter quotes Jesus and saying, be holy as I am holy. Our comparison is not with other Christians. Our comparison is not, certainly not with the world. Our comparison is with a perfect and holy God. Now, are we ever gonna live up to that standard? No, that's why we need Jesus. But we're called to be holy as he is holy. We're not called to compare ourselves to one another because not only does that harm ourselves, but it also harms our relationship with other people. So comparison is often a way that we lean on our own understandings. And then if you're following along, number two, personal success. We live in an area where there's a lot of personal success. Maybe you've had a lot of success. It could be success in your career, success financially. Many of you are very successful with your education and school. You guys, some of you now have GPAs that weren't even allowed when I was growing up. We didn't have 4.8s. Some of you have found a lot of success in athletics and popularity. There's many of you in the room who, thank the Lord, you found a lot of success in religion, being leaders here at Johnson Ferry. Some of you teach God's word on a regular basis here. You lead life groups or you teach children's Sunday school, lead a connect group, all these things, serve as deacons. And you found personal success even here in the body of Christ. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is we're talking about a reliance. Are you relying on your own understanding? Are you relying on personal success? Because that can get away of us fully trusting in the Lord. I think uh, I, I wanna read for us the verse. This is Philippians. This is Paul who basically comes to this point where he says, hey, you can boast, but I can boast more. I am a Jew of the Jews. Listen to what he writes about his own personal success. This is Philippians 3, uh, the second part of verse four, but then also seven and eight. Just such a great chapter. If anyone else thinks he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as lost because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ. What a great example of humility, even in the middle of personal success. Are you leaning on your own understanding? When we get up now to number three, self-sufficiency. We live in a very self-sufficient culture. I was reading one resource uh, this past week that talked about rugged individualism of the West, right? That's just part of the world that we live in. We like to do things our own way. Many of you might say, hey, I'm okay with failing as long as I do it on my terms. But you know, being a part of the body of Christ is we come on Sundays and we come during the week and we're in connect groups and we come to collective worship and all of these things, we're acknowledging that we need each other, that we can't do life on our own, that the Christian life is not supposed to be done in isolation. That's the term body of Christ. It's us admitting, hey, we by ourselves are insufficient. We each are a body. We each represent a part of the body and we come together so that we can serve each other and we can serve the Lord. But oftentimes in our culture, we compete with a self-sufficiency and wanting to always do things on our own. That could be a part of leaning on your own understanding. Number four might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think for our area, it's a concept that's at least worth mentioning, and that's outsourcing. Many of your works, uh, you outsource, 
we outsource things here at Johnson Ferry, not a big deal, but we really outsource a lot in our own lives, right? You potentially could outsource your laundry. You can outsource your dog care. You can outsource childcare. You can outsource uh, cleaning your house. You can outsource this and that and all of these different things that we can, even without thinking about it, attribute or bring in outsourcing into our relationship with the Lord. Or we might outsource when we think about being a disciple maker to those of the next generation, whether they're your kids or grandkids, or even if you don't have kids, investing in future generations. And we think, I'll just outsource. Who can I pay to teach my kid? Who can I pay to care for my kid? But as we talked about earlier, we are all called to be the disciple makers in our homes and in the church So can we get so used to outsourcing in different parts of our lives that we even let that bleed over into our understanding and our relationship with the Lord and trusting him? Then one more I wanna mention, just in a room this size, it's worth mentioning, and it's trust issues. I know that many of you have had some type of uh, issue with trust. It could be you had or have problems with a parent and trust lost there. Some of you, it might be really hard for you to just acknowledge the concept of a heavenly father because of your relationship with your earthly father. That can be a big hurdle for people. You might also have had issues with a spouse. Some of you might have been abandoned by a spouse, right? That can create a lot of trust issues. Maybe you've had trust issues within the church with a pastor or minister or an organization, But where we've gotta be careful is we've gotta make sure that we do not impute the trust issues that we are struggling with with other people and organizations that we don't impute that on God. Because we know why is it that we can trust God with all of our heart? Because of who God is and because of his faithfulness throughout the generations. And so we've gotta be careful. Now that doesn't mean we don't need to really work on and deal and get help on those trust issues that we might have from other relationships, but we've gotta make sure that we're not then imputing them on our relationship with the Lord and help making that part of our uh, understanding or leaning on our own understanding. So the first two essentials, right? We need to trust completely. Number two, we need to shift in reliance. And then number three is simply knowing God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all of your ways acknowledge him. A few of the commentaries that I looked at when when looking at this verse talked about that phrase, acknowledge him, really being best to word it as know him. In all of your ways, know him. In all of your ways, know him. The phrase there really is, it brings up an intimate picture, an intimate relationship between you and God. And knowing him, not just in a general sense, but knowing him in all areas of your life. We acknowledge him in all areas of our life. I mentioned my nine-year-old Brady earlier. I've got two other kids, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, but uh, we're entering into kind of a new phase with Brady as he's getting closer to the preteen years where he's starting to acknowledge his parents differently depending on the situation. When it's just me and him going to an Atlanta United game, there's full acknowledgement, there's intimacy, there's hugs, there's just me and him and it's great. Let me tell you, if I ever go to his elementary school, and parents, you know, maybe I'm going to his elementary school to eat lunch with his seven-year-old brother, but if I see Brady, this is the look that I get. It's the look that says, Dad, if you acknowledge me, 
in front of my friends, they're going to know I have parents. <laughs> so this is a new world that we're having to go into where he's going to acknowledge us. And we're gonna have to learn to navigate that. And that's part of him growing up and maturing and getting closer to the teenage years. And then I've heard once he's 25, he'll come back. So that's good. But the good news is we don't need to have that kind of ambiguity with our relationship with the Lord. We're called to know him, to acknowledge him in all areas. Do you ever feel, and this is just for you, this is not, nothing to respond to out loud. Do you ever feel dissonance between the belief you claim, the lordship you've given to Jesus, but the way you acknowledge him in certain areas of your life? It could be how you treat Jesus at work. It could be how you treat Jesus on Saturday night, hanging out with the neighbors. How you treat Jesus with certain family or this group of friends. Is there an area where you're not truly acknowledging Jesus and saying that you trust him with all of your heart, with all of your life? Uh, if we're talking about this concept of knowing God, probably the best person to read from is a guy named J.I. Packer. He wrote a book, probably his most famous book, called Knowing God. And again, he's, a, he's passed away, but just a great, great author and pastor. Listen to this quote from J.I. Packer. Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. I think about walking the straight path. We're gonna look at that in just a second. And being on that perfect path that God has called us to. Packer reminds us that as we know God and as we focus on knowing him more, all the other stuff just seems to fall in place. Now, for many of us, that, that means, man, we need to be waking up early and spending time in God's word and prayer. I'm not a morning person. It's hard for me. I know it's hard for some of you, but we do that to set our day. But I think it's also us doing some very practical things throughout our day so that we are better acknowledging and knowing him periodically throughout the day. There's very practical things that we can do you can write note cards where you jot down verses. Put one in your car. Put one at your desk at work. Put one in your gym locker where you're reminding yourself throughout the day of who is your Lord and whose trust you have placed, who you've placed your trust in. Another thing you can do, there's a number of you I know that now are beginning to do reminders on your phone. Most of us have a smartphone, right? Use it for good. You set a reminder. I know a few people here at Johnson Ferry, they have at the same time every day a reminder that goes off on their phone and it reminds them to pray the Bob prayer. You remember the Bob prayer? B, you pray for a burden for lost people. O, you pray for opportunities to share and have gospel conversations with people who are far from God. And then B, so B-O-B, B, you pray for boldness to respond in obedience as God gives you those opportunities. So maybe you've done that, but that could be something to add where you're giving yourself reminders throughout the day, remembering that we are to know and acknowledge him in all areas of life throughout every part of our day and every sphere of our life. So then we do come up to this promise at the end. We're to acknowledge him in all things and he will make straight our paths. He will make straight our paths. If you're like me, I really wish 
that God would always have me on an easy path. God's word doesn't promise us an easy path. It promises us the straight path, the good path, the right path. If you're like me, not only do I want an easy path, but I also wish I had a little more farsightedness. I wish I could see further down the line. I wish I could see miles down the road. But that's not what God promises. Now, I brought this, thinking about summer essentials. Now, my family is scared of pretty much every animal, so we don't go camping very often. But I know some of you really like camping and you like the outdoors, and, and that's great. If you've ever had a, like a lantern, a lamp, you light it, and you can't see miles down the road. What you can see is light for just the next several steps. Psalm 119, another very popular passage, tells us that God and his word, it's a lamp for our feet, a light to our path. God doesn't always promise you an easy path. He doesn't always promise you the ability to see way down the road but we do have the promise that if we are trusting in him with all of our hearts, that we will be on the right path. We will be on the good path, the straight path. We're called to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, to lean not on our own understanding and all of our ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or he will make your paths straight. And probably the verse that we say the most here at Johnson Ferry comes from Matthew 28, the Great Commission. These are the, the verses that really guide us as a church. They guide our mission statement. We as a church exist to help people find truth, belonging, and purpose in Jesus. So as we talk about making disciples, but right before Jesus says those words, he says, but I am with you always. And that's the Christian hope is, yes, we have a straight path laid out before us, but we also have a God that says he's gonna walk with you on that path. Let's pray together as we acknowledge and we put our trust in him. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word, for these timeless words. Lord, that you would help us to trust you with all of our heart, that you would search deep in our hearts and show us where we are not trusting in you. Lord, I pray that we would lean not on our own understanding, but we would shift our reliance to you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would acknowledge you, that we would know you in all areas of our lives and we would trust that the path you've laid before us is the perfect path. It's the straight and right path and that we would walk it with obedience, Lord. Not only would we walk it, but we know that you, Jesus, are walking with us step by step. So we sang earlier, Lord, even if we're led to the fire, you are there with us. Lord, that even if you lead us to the cross. We know that that brings transformation. So we'll be crucified with you. So Jesus, we cling to these promises. Help us now to trust you with all of our heart. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we mentioned we're, we're going to take part now in the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to ask our deacons. They're going to come on and get in place and get ready to serve us. But want to say a few words. Uh, for us before we start taking the Lord's Supper. It really is such a privilege and an honor for us to do this together. This is something that Jesus calls for his church, the body of believers to do together. So if you are here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we are so glad that you're here. 
and we're, we want to answer questions for you. We want to pray for you. We want to be here as long as you need as you're seeking out the Lord. But we do ask as we take part in this Lord's Supper that um, you would just refrain. This is for those who are already committed, trusted followers of Jesus, even though we have points where we're not always fully trusting. We submit to him today. And so I appreciate that. We are excited. We know that there are people in this room that this is going to be their very first Lord's Supper. Maybe you're one of those boys or girls that made a decision at Vacation Bible School and we celebrate with you and it's gonna be an honor for you to be with you as you take part in your first Lord's Supper. So this is a time for you to confess sin. It could be a time for you to ask for healing in a relationship. This is a time for us as we're about to read from Paul that we remember what Jesus did as we look forward to Christ's return. So uh, I'm gonna read just a few verses. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul, he says, the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I'm gonna pray for us, but as you receive the elements, the bread, the juice, and as you feel led, you go ahead and take the elements. And then once everyone has been served, then we'll worship uh, again together. But let's pray and then we'll serve the supper. Lord, we're again so thankful for the opportunity as your bride to come to you, the groom, to take the Lord's supper. Lord, may we remember your body given for us. Lord, may we remember your blood which was spilled for us. And as we look back at what you have already done, we look forward with anticipation to the day that you return for your bride. And so we celebrate now as we take the Lord's Supper as your bride. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.